Today, as we kind of dive into this sermon time, I want to I want to look at John chapter six today, and and we're going to look at a big chunk of John chapter six quickly, and then a very sh- small sliver of John chapter six in more detail. And I want to read for you as you're kind of getting your Bibles and and opening up to John six. I want to read for you six of the verses. This is John six thirty five to forty. I want to read these aloud so that these can be in the back of our minds with all the rest of the stuff that's happening. And so here is John 6, 35 to 40. It says that Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about worldview stuff here at Waterway Church, and I know that can be um, that can be really big picture and really small picture. But the question I wanted to think about today with you guys is: How many of you have a deep sense of how things ought to be. There's just a way things ought to be. And that's, that's the way, if you're, if you're parking your car, there's a way you ought to do it. And, and how many of you have a spouse or a child or a parent who has a really strong sense of the way things ought to be? Don't raise your hand, especially if they're sitting beside you, right? But there's, that's just not how we do it, right? We do it like this. That's, that's a little bit of a worldview, right? Most of those things, they haven't even been things that we thought about. It's just things that we, that we really strongly prefer. It seems like it should be that way. This is how I'm going to do it. And we see everything through that lens. That's, that's a worldview. And the challenge the last couple of weeks is, is all the stuff in your life, all the things that you do, the things that you think about and the things that you act on, are they all really coming under the banner of Christ or is it just kind of what you do? Because what I want to suggest to you is if all of your stuff is just a strong sense of what you do, it's very easy to get out of alignment. It's very easy to have some things that are based on Jesus, but others that are based on grandpa and others that are based on that article I read years ago. And, and we can get into this spot where we don't really make any difference in the world. But what we're called to is to have this kind of comprehensive thinking that we, can be, that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds and that we can seek the Lord with all of our heart and then that all of our lives can be a fragrant offering to the Lord. This is our goal, to kind of bring this stuff all together. It's funny, there's, um, there's a song that is one of my favorites of all time. How many of you know the song, Just a Little Talk with Jesus? And Just a Little Talk with Jesus makes it right. But here's, here's the problem that I've run into over the years. It's, it's one of my top four or five favorite songs in the whole entire history of the whole entire world, of all the stuff that I've heard. Because when I was a little boy, that was one of the last songs on a record that we had in our house, a record. Now, for you people younger than me, it's, it's a big CD. And for the people, I guess, younger than me, what a CD is, is this... <laughs> A record, a tape, an album. We had a record in our house. 
Actually, this is, this is when I was really little. We had a record player, and, and there were six or eight or ten records that were kind of like the ones that we, that we cycled through a lot. We had a couple of them that were kid albums, and, and then there was a Kenny Rogers, and there was a Statler Brothers, and there was an Oak Ridge Boys, and this is, this is what formed my childhood. But in, uh, in the early 80s, the Statler Brothers had an album called The Originals, and these four men sang a version of Just Little Talk with Jesus that, as far as I knew, was a new song for them. And when I was a little boy, I heard that song, and, and the, the one fellow, uh, I'm sure my brother could tell you his first name, the one fellow who sang bass and had a really deep voice. I wanted to be that when I grew up. I wanted to sing bass, and I can't. I sing tenor. <laughs> but they sang a version of Just Little Talk with Jesus that, that still just really stirs my heart, and, and it ruined me for every other version of that. I hear anybody else, even fantastic musicians and fantastic choirs, they sing just little talk with Jesus, and it's not right. That's not how you sing that song. That's not how the harmonies should go. That, nope, they sang that, they sang that too slow or they sang it too fast. There's, I have been formed by listening to that record when I was a six-year-old kid. None of us were trying to do that. We just wanted some music in the house, but it affected me, and now I can't hear other versions of that song without getting just a little aggravated because that's not how you do it. Have any of you had, uh, I'm going to talk to you old people again for just one more moment. Any of you folks ever have like a favorite album and then the band came out with a live version and the live version wasn't just quite right? Maybe it was even better. Maybe it was in a great arena and everybody just went nuts for it. Maybe it was a slightly better arrangement, but it wasn't the way you heard it for that six months that you listened to the original album in your car, right? We get conditioned. You and I, as people, we get conditioned to a really strong sense of how things ought to be, even with little stuff like how you sing that song. But I wonder, church, in all the ways that we've been conditioned, ha have we brought all of that stuff under the banner of Christ? Have we brought all of that stuff under the order of our Lord so that we're not just running around spouting our opinions or living by our preferences, but we are actually living for God? See, this is, I think, what John 6 is starting to point us to. It's interesting. In John 6, at the very beginning, um, this is happening. This stuff that I'm going to summarize for you quickly is happening about one year into Jesus' ministry. Right? So he lived 30 years on earth, and, and was, he was the son of God, and all, but he, he kind of kept a low profile until the last three years of his life, and, and he did some amazing things. He was baptized, and he did public ministry and miracles and all that kind of stuff. And so in that last three years of his life, we're catching the story right as year one is turning into year two. So Jesus has some followers. People are catching on that this guy is really something. Some people believe that he's the son of God. Other people are just blown away by what he can do. But we pick up the story in John 6. It says that Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. So Jesus heals the sick over and over, different people with all kinds of different ailments, and he heals them, and the, or, I'm sorry, the community realizes that healing is happening, so they follow him. Not everybody believes that he's the Lord, but they know that there is something happening that's amazing. In John 6, 5, it says that when Jesus looked up from that far shore of the Sea of Galilee and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, who was one of his closest followers, he says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? 
And Philip says, oh, Jesus, we could never afford it to too many people. And, and they said, but we found uh, just a couple of loaves and a couple of fish. Go home and read this today at lunchtime or this afternoon as you wait for the ball game. Read John 6 and you can get the whole picture. But Jesus took those loaves. It says in John 6, 11, that he took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with a couple of fish. And what happened is one kid's lunch fed over 5,000 people. This was one more of those miracles of Jesus recorded here in John 6. And it says in John 6, 14, after the people saw that sign, this sign of feeding over 5,000 people with one lunch, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. And then in verse 16, when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing. The waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on water, and they were frightened. So Jesus has done this miracle. Thousands of people came. They eat. They were amazed. Hmm, this guy is really something. Could he be the prophet? That night, the disciples decided to go back across the lake, but Jesus didn't come with them. So they went down, got in the boat, rowed three or four miles. The waves got rough. Jesus walked out to see them. And now we've just quickly summarized two of those miracles that so many of you heard about in Sunday school. Jesus fed the 5,000. Jesus walked on the water. In the morning, John 6, the very next day, the crowd realized that neither Jesus or his disciples were there where they had been fed yesterday. So they got into the boats, went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus said in John 6, 26, very truly I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. In other words, Jesus said, you're looking for me. You're looking for me because your belly's got filled. You're not looking for me because of who I am. You're looking for me because of the way I served you. You're not really seeking me out for what I have to offer you. He gets more clear, John 6, 27, he says, don't work for food that spoils, like that bread and that fish I gave you yesterday, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And so the people ask him, they said, Jesus, Jesus, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So there's this back and forth. Jesus is talking about eternal life and, and believing in him, and the people don't quite get it because they're just still really fascinated that he fed all of them and that maybe he'll feed them again with some bread and some fish. So in their confusion, in John 6, 30, it says that they ask him, well, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So these Jewish folks say, Moses gave our ancestors manna in the wilderness. They're talking about something that happened 1,500 years ago. They said, that was a real sign. Jesus, what are you going to show us? Now, they're asking him about a sign. They're telling him about bread. And literally yesterday, he gave them all the bread and fish that they could eat. These people are almost as dumb as we can be. They ask him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? The indication being that despite all they've seen, they don't believe him yet. What are you going to do, Jesus? How are you going to prove it? 
Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They say, sir, always give us this bread. They're still thinking about food. They're still thinking about being hungry. They're still thinking about having something to chew on, swallow, and eat. And Jesus is saying, wait, life comes from me. My Father in heaven sent me down to show you life. And if you will believe in me, I will give you eternal life. This is the gospel. It's what he's offering to them. Thousands of people following him back and forth across the lake. And then Jesus declared, what's it say in verse 35? He said, I am the bread of life. And this is where we pick up our sermon scripture this morning, finally at 1130. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now remember, Remember the context of what we've seen in the first 34 verses of John 6. Jesus has fed them with bread and fish. Jesus is shifting the conversation from a physical feeding, and he's telling them, I will fulfill all the needs of your heart and of your soul and of your whole life. It's not just a food thing. It's about a life and a heart thing. And so they say, always give us this bread. And this is where he says, I am the bread. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Does that mean that because we believe we're absolutely going to have a great lunch today? Christians, is that what he's saying? No. No, what he's saying is that when people come to him, he will fill and fulfill all that needs to be filled within us. And frankly, I wonder if we trust him enough to feed us every day anyway, because most of us have gotten used to thinking we do it ourselves. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And then in verse 36, to this crowd, he says, as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. These people, they're following him because he's been healing folks. They're following him now and asking him because they've seen that he can bring the food and they still don't believe it. How much, how much would you have to see to buy it? Those of you who are believers, those of you who are convinced about the fact that Jesus is the Son of God and he is the answer to all of our questions and he is the Savior through all of our problems, what have you had to see to believe it? How many of you saw loaves and fishes multiplied? Any of you ever have a miraculous supper? I know some of you have seen some amazing things, but did any of you have that? And yet you've believed did any of you see somebody literally healed? I know a few of you have. I know a few of you feel that you have been healed and, and you believe, right? Do you see this crowd? Jesus says, you've seen me, you've seen all this, and you still don't believe. Can you see the hardness of hearts in these thousands of people? They've tasted, I mean, on their, on their lips are still the crumbs from yesterday's supper. And they're still saying, what are you going to show us? as they pull out a leftover chunk of bread from their pocket. What are you going to do, Jesus? Prove it to us. Jesus says, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. He says, I am the bread of life. You come to me, and you will be mine. 
He says, verse 38 of John 6, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus says, I'm not just working for myself, I'm working for the Lord. He goes on and clarifies John 6, 39, this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. Jesus says, I'm not just talking about filling your bellies for today. I'm not even just talking about saving you so that you can have life to the full in this life. I'm talking about in the very last day when the final, final happens, I will raise you up. Jesus says, this is what I can do. I am the bread of life. It says in John 6, 40, my father's will is that everybody who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day and that should be such good news because they're all standing right there. He says, just look at me and believe and you can have eternal life and they can all literally, and I hope you know by now that I use the word literally carefully, They can all look at him because he is speaking to them. It's not us reading about it 2,000 years later. He was standing right there. I mean, right there. He says, just see me and believe. And yesterday, yesterday, before he walked across the lake, yesterday... He gave them bread and fish. This should be such good news because everybody there should be able to say, oh, yeah, cool. I'm in. Jesus, what are you? Right? I mean, what else do you need? He is standing right there. Have you ever prayed for that kind of an experience? That you would be able to be in the midst and the presence of Jesus right now? Have you ever been in a place like that? I know some of you have. I've heard your stories. You've told your stories up here about how you knew that God was so close to you. You know how that's carrying you through life right now, don't you? These people stood there in front of him. He he said, just, I'm standing here right now. You've seen what I've done. I'm telling you who I am. Just believe in me, and I will raise you up at the last day. It says in John 6, 41, that at this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say I came down from heaven? Never mind the fact that he gave him lunch yesterday. Stop grumbling among yourselves, he answered. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Jesus doesn't just say, oh, fine, you don't believe. He comes back again. No, guys, I'm telling you, I'm right here. Believe in me and you'll have eternal life. I am the bread of life, John 6, 48. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, but they died. Here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I'm the living bread. I came down from heaven. And then verse 52, the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us flesh to eat? On hearing this, the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept this? And I just, I wish I could, I wish I could see like a video. I wish somebody had had their phone there right then to capture it. I'd love to see Jesus' face. I wonder, what do I have to say? What do I have to do to get through to you? I'm telling you where life is. I gave you the food. I walked over here. You're blown away and you're still bickering and arguing and grumbling. Verse 61, aware that his disciples, that is people who followed him, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Did I make you mad? Are you bothered by this? 
then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? What if you see me go right back up to heaven? Will that help you? The Spirit gives life. Flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life, yet there are some of you who do not believe. And it says in John 6, 66. Interesting that verse 666 tells us that many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They had the word standing in front of them, delivering them words of truth, delivering them words of promise, delivering them bread and fish, showing them signs and showing them miracles, and yet so many would not believe. Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And here's the question that we have to wrestle with today. Here's the question that I wrestle with. I believe in Jesus. I've seen some things that I would consider to be miracles, and I've heard testimonies about so many more. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe that the Bible is true when it speaks about who Jesus is and about all the other stuff that's in there. But is my whole life oriented around this king? Or am I still chasing after something else because it's not the way it seems like it ought to be? Am I still, based on my history and the things that I've heard and the things that I've learned and the things that I'm used to, am I, am I still chasing after something that's not going to be true? Am I as blind as these who were standing here? I don't think I am. I hope I'm not. And I pray that God will help me to see the truth. But are you asking yourself these same questions? Are you seeing Jesus for all that he is? Is your whole heart in line with him and seeking after him and hungering for him and thirsting for him? Are you looking for him with all that you are because he is all that you need? Or are you grumbling? Are you scratching your head? Are you saying, boy, this is just too hard? I wonder. I wonder if everything that we do can be fully brought in line with this Jesus who is the bread of life, who fills us and sustains us, who gives us everything we need. I wonder if we can be that focused on this one who is that perfect. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to shift gears. I'm going to let that question hang for a bit. I'd like to shift gears as we just take a few minutes to end this sermon time. I'd like to end um, with a time of prayer. We're going to have a closing song after that. Um, and, and Ruben's led us in some valuable prayer today, but... Um, one of the areas in the last week where I've seen a lot, of, a lot of stuff get complicated is as we pray for events around the world. Uh, we know that there is, uh, there's war happening in a lot of different places, um, but especially, um, especially in Israel uh, and, and Israel and Palestine and, and that whole area right now. It was, it was really interesting. Um, two pastors who I know really well were actually in Israel on a tour in September. So they got back home less than a month ago. And they talked about how on their trip, they were blessed to be able to spend time in Israel with Israeli Christians. And then they were able to spend time in Palestine at a few of the sites that are kind of the Bible sites but are no longer within the boundaries of, of the Israel that was created in 1948. And so they were, they were at a couple of sites that were in Palestine, and so they got to know some Palestinian Christians as well. And so as I reflected with those friends this week, their prayer just went out for all of the believers, regardless of which side and which nation and which politics. 
their prayers went out for all of the believers who find themselves in the line of fire this week. And I wonder, we spent some time last week praying that, that there would be peace and that lives would be saved. But I wonder if we can close our time today and, and just acknowledge we have, all of us in this room, we have a lot of baggage about Israel stuff based on how we were raised or, or how, how our preachers when we were young thought about Israel or taught or preached about Israel. And there is a, so much complicated stuff with all the politics. But I wonder if we can take a moment and pray for all of the people and especially the believers in Israel and Palestine who find themselves in a war zone right now. Because I think our prayers matter. And I think this is just one of those big things that a lot of people are talking about. So I'd, I'd like to pray. And so I'm going to give you a moment just to pray quietly where you are for whatever it is that the Spirit leads you to pray about. But then I'm going to, uh, I'm going to close our time with a spoken prayer, and then we're going to, we're going to sing a final song um, that, that kind of calls us back to this time of worship, and we're going to sing to our King. But can we take a moment uh, to pray? And again, pray as you feel led, but I would encourage you to pray, especially for those, those believers of every nationality. Jesus says, all who come to me and believe will be saved. So would you pray for all those believers right now, church? O Lord, our God, our Heavenly Father, maker of heaven and earth, we come to you and admit that, that there are pieces of us that are unformed, that have not yet been brought into full alignment with your spirit because we, just, we haven't realized or we haven't been willing to yield ourselves. There are parts of us that still grumble and complain and say it's too hard when we're confronted with your word. There are parts of us that still don't quite understand what it means for Jesus to be the bread of life. And Lord, there are, there are places in our lives today that just seem difficult to, uh, to reconcile to the truth that we see in your scripture. Lord, there are things that frustrate us. There are things that don't seem right. Evil is in our midst and evil is running amok. There is great violence, and there is death, and there is disease, and Lord, we don't like any of it. God, our hearts go out, especially to our brothers and sisters in Christ, those who are hurting, those who are grieving, those who are compromised and in great danger. Lord, would you please give them strength for today? Strength that allows them to wear their faith on their sleeve, that allows them to think about their ultimate hope, 
Lord, would you be bread to them today? And Lord, for us here, as we think about, as we think about all the stuff, as we think about our faith and our beliefs and our politics and our actions, as we think about how we spend our time, how we volunteer, how we give, Lord, would you please work in our hearts and bring it all back to you. Help us not to be like these folks in John 6 who just didn't get it. Help us not to be like these folks who just argued about the little details and missed the big point. Help us, Lord, not to be the kind of disciples that turn back and no longer follow. But Lord, help us to be faithful. Be bread to us. Be bread for our brothers and sisters around the world who are facing much difficult circumstances than what we're facing right now. Now, Lord, finally, we pray for those of us in this room who are struggling right now. Be strength here, too. And help us, no matter what's going on, to continue to sing, Greater You, Lord, to give you praise, to give you honor, because you're our hope. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Church, in the midst of all...